Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Ryan Jr. Uh, we have a number of people we'll be talking with today. Uh, there was a lot of information about uh, the Supreme Court hearing and the latter part of the program. Uh, the distinguished uh, attorney, uh, the world famous attorney, Lem Howell, will have some uh, uh, comments on that. Uh, we'll also be talking with Lewis Rudd. Uh, Ezel's celebrated their 40th anniversary. As a matter of fact, I can call the very first Martin Luther King march we had to protest the city, not putting the signs up, changing them from Empire Way to Martin Luther King Jr. Way. Ezel's provided us with some chicken legs, but we did a lot of walking. And then also, I want to give a shout out to the family of uh, Bruce Bentley Sr. Uh, I was in Houston last week, was not able to attend his, his celebration of life cel a ceremony, but Bruce did a lot of things in the community. Uh, was a, a, a intricately involved with the Seafair. Uh, also uh, was one of the stalwarts that came, helped Cannon House become a reality on 23rd right off of Yesler, even though that's in other hands now, but it's still serving people in the community. And also I want to thank uh, the Sound Transit's uh, Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services uh, Department, SeaTac uh, Bar Group, LLC, uh, they're out on Concourse A trying to get a new spot, Port of Seattle. They need a new spot because uh, they're going to close down one of the lounges, the Africa Lounge, and create a duty-free bar, which is needed. But there's enough space to make sure that Jerry Whitson and Rod O'Neill, the SeaTac Bar Group, LLC Group, uh, it's enough room for them to have another spot out there. The airport's growing. And uh, one of the things is that, you know, we have some people that have permanent residents out there and other people have to continually bid. So we'll talk to some folks about that as well. And also I want to thank uh, the Port of Seattle, uh, the Diversity Contracting Office with me and Rice, uh, Mr. Lawrence Coleman, Josie Reagan, and uh, congratulations to, once again, to uh, Hami Muhammad, the first woman of color to be president of the Port of Seattle. Uh, as a matter of fact, Hamdi will receive an award from the Martin Luther King Commemoration and Continuation Committee. Uh, that will be on February 24th uh, at Holgate Street Church of Christ. Uh, talk to Minister Jimmy Hurd. He will do a welcoming. And we're dealing with Mr. Butler for all of the, of, uh, the uh, making sure that all, every, all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. So anyway, we do have uh, Mr. Lewis Rudd on now. So, Mr. Lewis Rudd, uh, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest again, and want to thank you uh, for your contributions to the community. I shared the story about the very first Martin Luther King March and about uh, Lee Zell's providing us with some chicken legs. So, uh, uh, 40 years uh, later, now I put in, in the email that went out that you were in several countries and had 17 stores, and I don't know if I, I went too low or too high, but uh, welcome, once, I, I said once again, Urban Forum Northwest. And just give us an update on Ezel's exactly where you guys are, and and you've been there forty years. That's that's a long time to be in business and be expanding the whole time. Well, thank you, Eddie, and I greatly appreciate you and your support along the way, and what you do for the community. The, I still remember, yeah, the first time we participated, the Martin Luther King March, and the legs for them to walk on to encourage them. But anyway. Today, fast forward to 40 years, and uh, we are happy and thankful that with the support of the community and brothers like you, that we do have 17 locations operating profitably, and um, we 
did open a unit in Dubai, so we're back to one country now, the franchisee. They're unfortunately um, passed away, and we could not provide the kind of support to keep that one going. And um, we have one in the state of Oregon now. We have one in Spokane, which is the furthest one away. And we've got one under construction in uh, Kirkland coming up this year. And, and Louis, you, you guys uh, employ quite a few people, too, don't you? We've got over 300 employees today. And, uh, you know, having reflections and conversations as we were approaching the 40th anniversary, I was sitting with Faye and Darnell, and we were just reflecting over the years. And I think we can say over the 40 years, we've probably employed over 10,000 employees. Yeah, that's that's a significant achievement. And uh, you guys uh, still have your office in Seattle. Still in Seattle, yeah. And uh, in Seattle, you're located now. You're in uh, 23rd and Jefferson across from Garfield. Is that's the main? So that was the very first store. The very and then first store. You're down on Rainier, and you're also in Skyway. And where 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 else are you around in Kane County? Wow. So we've got yep that one Garfield. Uh, Woodenville, Renton Highlands, uh, in Renton, down in Renton, across from uh, the Renton Airport there, Boeingfield. Uh, we're in Tacoma, Kent, Federal Way, West Seattle, Edmonds, Linwood, Fossil, uh, Spokane, Tigard, and then the ones coming up in um, Kirkland this year. Well, that's fantastic. Now, is there going to be a huge celebration to celebrate these 40 years? Well, you know, Eddie, we thought about it and uh, trying to find that space to accommodate the number of people that would love to participate and join in the celebration with us would be so challenging to accommodate something like that. And then we got to thinking, you know, um, maybe doing something in the summer months where we can do something outside where we can just bring uh, a whole bunch of chicken and feed a whole bunch of folks. And then in the midst of all of this thinking and planning and what are we going to do, we lost one of our soldiers, man, and uh, a great uh, person in Hazel, Hazel Danielle Clayton. Mm -hmm. She brought structure to our community giving and our community partnerships and how we go out and do things in the community, created the four pillars of giving. And uh, she unfortunately passed away in August. So we shift our focus to let's form a foundation in her honor. And let us honor her during, you know, the month of February, Black History Month and the 40th anniversary. So this is an opportunity for all of our guests to um, participate and support a great cause. You know, we're asking 40 cent, just upcharge 40 cent, leave 40 cent on the counter. It can be 40 cent, $4, $40. And uh, I was in an interview with one of the local TV stations. He said, well, why not $40,000, you know? And uh, so far we've had, you know, a great um, support for that. And uh, we're, we're really excited about it, keeping that legacy alive. We're going to provide grants to organizations that focus on uh, kids' programs 
an African-American community that's focused on education and providing after-school meals and things like that to help our youth in the community because that's what Hazel was really passionate about. And so that's the celebration. We're going to celebrate her life for our 40th anniversary and what, you know, she meant to excels in the community, our community outreach specialist. Well, Lewis, I'll tell you what, whenever that gets close to being put together, please let us know so we can have you and and, and your team on, really, because we, if we do it by Zoom, we can have your whole team on. And uh, we definitely want to make sure we promote that and inform the community of what's happening. So, Lewis, all I can say is congratulations once again. And I know you got 350 people that are very happy by getting a check and getting some chicken every other day that they want some. So... Thank you much, and keep us posted on that celebration. We definitely want to hear that. And thank you again so much, Eddie, for all you do for the community, and you're definitely one of those pillars that props these L's up. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you, Lewis. All Lewis right. Lewis the owner of uh, Ezel's Famous Chicken, along with uh, Darnell and Faye, his relatives. My next guest is uh, Gabriel Prawl. Gabriel is president of... Uh, the Seattle uh, chapter of the A. Philip Randolph Institute and the, the force behind uh, the Charles Rowland African-American Legislative Day that will be held on President's Day, uh, Monday, February 19th. So, uh, President Prawl, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest again. And why don't you break down on what people can expect and how they can get information beforehand about what's going to be happening on February 19th in Olympia. Good afternoon, uh Brother Eddie, um, thanks for inviting me to your show and giving me the opportunity to share um, what we, Philip Randall, is working on next. Um, our event coming up is um, Charles Roland African American Legislative Day. And um, this is an important time for people to um, get information and also to listen to those people that we are elected officials and departments heads on the work they're doing and what uh, way does the community stand in, in, in the work that they're doing. Because we got to always remember we elect those people to uh, work for us and we have to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Otherwise, um, the community have a chance to um, be educated on what's next. So we have um, a bus leaving Seattle on 24th and Jackson. And um, that bus will be um, leaving about 7.30, heading to um, first stop will be uh, Federal Way to uh, probably pick up some more people. The uh, space are limited right now because people are calling in and reserving space. We also have another bus will be leaving from um, Kent, which will be um, sponsored by Kent Black Action um, Community. I mean, um, yeah, Kent Kback. Yeah, and uh, there will be a bus leaving there. I believe also it will be limited on space because you know things are moving quick. Uh, people are, are calling in and reserving spots. So the our agenda is to um, meet with the governor, um, as um, department heads. Um, that will be um, commerce. Um, you will have. Um, DOC and, and quite a few uh, department heads are already um, committed to address the community on that day. We also will be looking at some senators and legislators 
um, trying to get the information on some of the bills that they've been working on, where we are with it, and um, how can the community best serve to help move those agendas, especially um, law enforcement bills and um, even bills that are um, has, even um, bills that has to do with working people. You know, it's been um, since um, 2020 when the pandemic hit, we uh, did a event, legislative day event on Zoom. So this, since the pandemic, this is our first time coming back in person. So we want to make sure that um, we make people safe. We want to make sure we get people in farm and connect people with the information that they need to have. And also give people an opportunity to ask questions and some of the things that are best. Well, Gabriel, I some of the uh, younger people might not have known who Charles Wallen was. Can you uh, uh, give a description of Charles Wallen and what he meant to the community and also this organization? Uh, Charles Wallen, um, he was um, lobbyist for AP, A. Philip Randolph Institute. Before that, he, he um, worked with the Democratic Party and, and, and he had a position uh, representing the state. But after he finished that, that he came and he um, was instrumental in, in, in lobbying for APRI and reaching out and bringing the information that we needed to, to our community. So um, he played a great, great role in, in, in reaching out and making a connection at the level of um, legislation and, and even in the Senate level and even making that connection with, with um, those departments that we have uh, been used, um, meeting each and every year now. This has been going on for almost 20 years plus that um, the community has been having that kind of celebration. And, I, and I'm and i glad that it happened on um, Black History Month because that even fits in more critical on the issue about what Black people are dealing with in the community and as far as um, on the legislative level that we have a voice and we can be heard. Yeah. I was waiting for the link. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Gabriel, uh, would you share the information about uh, uh, about uh, the event where the people can get information before the 19th? So information before the 19th, we got our website. Um, you can get on um, apriseattle.org. That's apriseattle.org. And if people want to donate, because like I said, we have buses and uh, maybe not enough bus versus the people that want, you can donate, you can sponsor a bus and uh, we can get people to, to join and, and get on those buses. Uh, my email, um, mailing address is um, 5030 1st Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, Suite 208 98134. That's 5030 1st Avenue South, Suite 208, Seattle, Washington, 98134. And that's our mailing address if you want the same donation to help uh, sponsor this event. We'll be providing um, some type of breakfast and um, also sack lunch or box lunches. Okay. And people got to register to make sure they get a seat if they need a ride, right? That's correct. So we would like people to register on, on that um, 
on our website at apriseattle.org to be able to um, reserve a seat on the bus. Okay. Well, Gabriel, you guys done an outstanding job. Now, who are some of the organizations working with you guys? So we got um, the Commission on African-American Affairs, KBAC, Lyona, Fate Action Network, UFCW 3000, Codify, Washington Partner for Social Change. Um, we have Africa Town, the Washington State District Council, YBNB, and YBNB is a young, black, and, and brilliant young people um, organization. We also have um, MLK Labor and um, we got quite a few more that um, um, also, um, we got Machinists um, 951. And I think I mentioned the Washington State District Council as well. Yeah. And we got quite a few more that's not, okay. uh, not um, listed here on, on, on right now. Okay. Well, I was hoping that that I think that the uh, chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors was also going to be a sponsor. If they have it, you'll be getting a check from Bob Armstead and and that uh, organization as well. So, Gabriel, man, I want to really want to thank you for all the work you're doing, and I look forward to seeing you possibly before the 19th. But I definitely plan on being there on the 19th. It's a very important day. Uh, like the saying goes, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Uh, all the decisions will be made about legislation, but we still, by being there, can make sure that we support and encourage our legislators to support what our agenda is, what is best for our community, because, you know, we've had some challenges, no affirmative action for all these years. So, Gabriel, thank you very much. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Will, uh, um, Eddie Wright. And I just wanted to say that we'll be meeting in the Columbia Room at 930. And, I, and later on, we'll have a rally going on at the North Step. So people need to be ready. And if you have a voice, have a voice, an issue that you're dealing with, and we can bring it on the um, forefront on the on the step of the Capitol. And thank you, um, Eddie Ryan, again for inviting me. The Columbia Room is right in the state Capitol. Okay, that's correct. First floor. Okay, the legislative sure. building. Legislative right. building. Right on the, on the first floor. So I want to make sure. So Gabriel, thank you very much for the work you guys are doing. We really appreciate uh, it. And thank you, um, Eddie Wright, for all the work you're doing. And, and thanks for inviting me again. Thank you. Okay, thank you, now. Okay, uh, Eric, I think, well, uh, do we have Jesse Weinberry on the line yet? Okay, why don't we go ahead and take this quick break while we wait for him? Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seatacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. 
we have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out Orca Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, Eddie Ryback. Hopefully we have uh, Attorney Jesse Weinberry, former state representative, one of the people that got uh, the state holiday uh, bill passed with Martin Luther King Jr. So uh, did Jesse get on yet? I'm here. Good, okay. Welcome, uh, Representative Jesse Weinberry, attorney, former Representative Jesse Weinberry. Uh, were you shocked, first of all, when actually about the Supreme Court deliberations and just want to find out from you as a uh, attorney uh what was what, what was your uh and i know i was going to talk to you about something else but i want to get your impressions first of all on what you heard today and i know you paid attention to the supreme court because you're usually are uh are in the audience on a lot of vital hearings that they have so just quickly what is your impression so far well, you're right. Uh, I, I was in the audience for the affirmative action hearings at the Supreme Court. I'm a member. Um, I'm blessed uh, to have risen to the level in the legal profession, be a member of the U.S. Supreme Court bar. Uh, but um, I, you know, I'm, go- I'm probably going to shock you, Eddie, <laughs> but I'm going to explain my reasoning. The, the, the arguments went uh, uh, as I expected. There were no surprises there. Uh, the questioning from the justices, uh, uh, both those that are appointed by Republicans and Trump and those who are appointed by Obama went exactly as I expected because of one basic reason. Uh, there has, in, we, ha- we know in this country that anybody, whether we like them or not, whether we want to vote for them or not, is innocent until proven guilty. And there has been no trial that has found uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, guilty of the the cause of insurrection, and until that happens, and until he's elected, according to Article Three of the of the Constitution, I mean Article Three of of uh, 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 Section Three of Article Fourteen of the Constitution, uh, there is no basic uh, uh, privilege that any state has to yank anybody off the ballot because they don't want them. To get votes, if that if this kind of policy becomes law in this country, it's not going to affect most white candidates. It's going to affect candidates of color, African American, Asian, Native American, Hispanic, as well as women, who people will just decide we don't want them to even get any votes. So let's use the fact that they were in a protest. Let's use the fact that they were in a rally. And let's and let's and let's deem those events that they were a part of to be an insurrection against the government and get them off the ballot. So there are times when people like myself, even though I'm never going to vote for Donald Trump, uh, I consider him to be one of the biggest racists that's ever run for office since George Wallace. But we cannot have laws that we come up with to yank people off the ballot, because if they use it against him the next time, they'll be using it against us. Okay. And uh, the other thing is that uh, we have this uh, African-American Legislative Day coming up. And I know you're the co-founder of the Washington Equity Now Alliance winner, and they've been doing some fantastic work. As a matter of fact, I have some some of the stuff off your website on my Facebook page, particularly dealing with Ed Bloom and uh, 
who is suing all the colleges to keep black folks out of college, along yeah, with Steve uh, Miller. Uh, uh, Stephen Miller. Neither one of them would ever be invited to Charlottesville for a neo-Nazi rally, even though they emulate them as well as they can. And the target always seemed to be African-Americans. And I just uh, wanted to thank you and Winner for uh, fighting for us in Olympia and wanted to find out, uh, did you have any priorities of legislation uh, this session? Or is there anything that people need to be looking out for? Um, well, well, yes, it's a short session, and the short sessions are there for a reason, and that is to enable the legislators to uh, uh, devote most of the year in an election year to running for re-election <laughs> than passing legislation. And so they, they uh, make sure they get out early enough to raise money and doorbell and get re-elected. All of the House is up for re-election this year and half of the Senate, and that's the way it is every even year, and this is 2024, so it's an even year. So what we have been focusing on uh, to, uh, uh, to help uplift African-American families in this, in this state, of which there are roughly two or 300,000 of us in Washington State, is, is reparations. And so we are organizing and working with the NAACP and other, and other groups and organizations to work with the governor's office for, for Governor Inslee to issue an executive order, uh, which doesn't require a vote by the legislature, it just requires one vote, and that's the vote of, of the governor using his pen, to create a statewide commission on reparations, uh, remedies, and reconciliation, uh, where there will be people appointed to a commission that will study this issue and how it impacts uh, African Americans in Washington State, and come at the end of this year with a, a rec with a published book of recommendations for legislation to be considered in 2025, at next year when the legislature returns after their election, re-election, to enact uh, uh, not just bills, but bucks. In other words, money in the budget to make sure that we are part of the national uh, community national African-American community that I predict will be receiving reparations in our lifetime. And so that's number Jesse, one on the agenda for winter. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, uh, we need to have more time on that. I'm out of time. I got uh, Axe on stage standing by and they're not smiling right now because they're supposed to have been on. That's Isaiah Anderson and Michelle uh, Lang Raymond. And so far, oh, Moses is on and show us uh, Sean Good. And who else? Oh, that's right. I mentioned uh, 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 Mr. Stephen Parker. I mentioned him earlier. Parker, no, what is it? Colin Parker Stevens. Okay. So, Jesse, we're going to have you have you back on. I want to get these folks on, and uh, I'll talk to you later on this afternoon because I've got a few other issues I want to talk with you about that's not public yet. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. Thanks for, for continuing the fight uh, as you've always been our leader and our voice, and uh, thank you for having uh, Washington Equity now on your show today. And you'll be back on because you're doing some good things. So thank you very much. Bye. Okay. Now I want to introduce uh, Michelle Lang Ra Raymond, who yes. is uh, the co-founder and executive director of Axon Stage Theater, and uh, world-famous Isaiah Anderson, Jr., who is the co-founder and artistic director for Axon Stage. And I want to thank uh, Moses. How you say you pronounce your last name, Moses? Masita. Okay, Moses and Sean Good. And as a matter of fact, the first one was Colin Parker Stevens. 
And this is the cast. These three folks are the cast. And I'll let uh, Michelle go ahead and open up with uh, the play. And then I'll let Isaiah, Isaiah Anderson, I want you to let, let you know that uh, about nine years ago, a young lady by the Neashtra was on a summer, uh, uh, on one of your summer programs. She played Madam President. Yes, she did. Yes, indeed. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, we go back, we got some history. That's my, my daughter, granddaughter. So Absolutely. go ahead, Michelle. Look, if anybody in Seattle, they have history with you, Mr. Rye. So your 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 streets and your lanes cross in multiple directions. Um, thanks for letting us be on today. Uh, this is the Axon Stage cast. This is part of Axon Stage's cast of King X The Meeting. Uh, we are a local theater with our focus set on centering voices of color and voices of faith. And so our uh, we've been up and running since 2020, and we are excited to continue our season this year. The 2023 season, 2024, excuse me, season kicks off with our first production of King X, The Meeting. It's about an imagined conversation between Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, what would happen and what would be heard. Um, and more, not more importantly, but also uh, what happens on the sidelines, because we know uh, J. Edgar Hoover was listening uh, to both of those iconic men of the civil rights era. And so that comes up and shows up in this story. It is directed as all of our shows have been by Mr. Isaiah Anderson Jr., who we'll talk in just a second. And it stars Sean Good as Malcolm X, Moses Masitha as Dr. Martin Luther King, Colin Parker Stevens, uh, Michael Walker and Sam Townsend as FBI agents and Nation of Islam security. And so that's who you have on the call. And I'll turn it over to Isaiah to tell you a little bit about why he picked this show and uh, what people can look forward to. Well, hello, uh, Dr. Rye. Thank you, sir, for allowing us to be here. It is always an honor to be in your presence of any in any kind of way. Um, our choosing of uh, King X The Meeting is uh, just a long list of shows that I've been wanting to do since I've been in Seattle. I arrived in Seattle in 84, November of 84, and was connected to the Langston Hughes Performing Arts Center. And from that day forward, I've just always wanted to be a part of anything uh, Black and productive. Uh, and so these Black productions make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I was offered to possibly do the meeting years ago with Carl Mack <laughs> uh, before he left town. Uh, and then after that, it just was never brought up again, of course, until Michelle and I were able to uh, access and own our own theater. And now we don't have any red tape barriers that will allow us not to do what we want to do. And so this is definitely one um, that speaks to um, just the, the mindset of these two awesome men um, who, man, just contributed so much to what we do and how we move. Uh, so it'll be an exciting, exciting show. And uh, unlike past shows where we opened auditions and um, this one was, uh, we, we selected these individuals purposely for this role, uh, this production. And, and I'm really, really happy with what is going on in rehearsals and what the audience is going to receive once they come sit and share into this story. Um, they're going to get an amazing experience. Okay, let's go with the cast members. So we start with uh, Martin Luther King, Moses. 
You want to talk about your role? Yes, sir. Um, as you mentioned, I get to play the role of Dr. King, and I'm really honored to do so. Uh, of course, an iconic individual in the in the standing history of this country. Uh, I myself am from South Africa, so I bring a very cross understanding uh, of, of of playing the role of Dr. King. Uh, I, I imagine in the 60s, as Dr. King uh, was leading the movement, and by the time of his death, uh, Nelson Mandela was just about being incarcerated at that time. So there's so much crossover historically that takes place. And so for me, uh, Dr. King represents not only the civil rights era, but he truly represents a moment in the history of the United States that that surpasses that moment specifically. But I think it also undergirds an incredible representation of what was happening across the world as black men and women everywhere were really struggling for what we now call liberation. And I think he he became a beacon worldwide of, of that standing. So I am truly honored to be playing the role of Dr. King. Well, I just want to let you know that uh, I was one of the first the first person to go to jail and protest in South African apartheid at the so-called Honorary South African Council. I also uh, got uh, a metro before it went under the King County to throw away $500,000 worth of granite from South Africa. So now let's go to Malcolm. Sean Good. Well, Mr. Wright, it's a privilege to be able to be on the show with you. And and Moses, you don't you may not hold this memory to, in, within your own, but... We, we are Martin Luther King Jr. County because of this, this gentleman who's hosting this program right now. So it's a unique, op- well, in part, in part, but it's a unique opportunity to, um, to be able to talk about this particular performance with you, with the history that you hold within your body, sir. So thank you for the privilege. Yeah, it, and, and I'll say being able to be Malcolm um, in this production in the time like now feels incredibly appropriate. Um, and it uniquely aligned with the work that I've had the privilege to do in our community for the past 20 or so years around reimagining the systems of injustice and also some of the frustration that I hold within my own body of work of the differences that we haven't seen, uh, no matter how often we engage in the processes politically, civically, socially to push these types of changes forward. And so I have the privilege to bring voice to an individual who believed in the power of a collective black body who believed in the power that Black people hold within their DNA, who believed in uh, what it is that Black people had to do to survive and that those things that they survived were going to empower and enable them to um, not only make it in America, but to create their own space in America where they could have ownership over themselves, their own ideas, their own philosophies, their own ideologies. Um, And and so many of the lines that uh, Moses and I run back and forth in this production feel like they could have been written um, just yesterday and and not the years ago in which it was initially scripted. And so it's a it's a privilege to be able to bring this to life, um, to be able to bring it to life with acts on stage, to be able to bring it to life in unincorporated King County and White Center um, and to bring it to life in the, in the neighborhoods that I grew up in and the streets that I had the privilege to run when I was younger. So it's a it's an honor. And I'm grateful that Isaiah and Michelle created the space for it to be and and the platform for these important stories to be told. Well, now we'll go to the police, <laughs> the FBI, <laughs> Colin Parker Stevens. <laughs> Quite the introduction. Thank you, Mr. Rye. The police are in the building. Uh, not literally. That's not my, my full-time job. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just honored to be here. Uh, I had the opportunity to look you up a bit before this started and really the profound impact you've had. So it's just really cool to get to share the space with you uh, this afternoon. Listen, when, I was, when Isaiah picks up the phone and says, Colin, I need you, I tend to say yes and then ask questions after that. 
you know, we work in a collaborative art, which is theater. And in a collaborative art, you're only as good as the people you work with, right? And so when you find another collaborator out there that's telling important stories and making a difference, when that phone buzzes, you go, what's up? You know, what, what are we doing? And so, um, you know, all I'll say about my role in this is that uh, uh, as a student of history, as a, uh, as a person that, that is uh, certainly interested in this time period, to be able to bring this to life and to spark a conversation, I think that's what I'm most interested in. Anyone that I know that's coming to see the show, I'm encouraging them, book time afterwards to go to dinner, go to a coffee shop, don't just go see the show and then go to bed. Go see the show and then create space for a conversation afterwards because that's what this is about, right? There's something that happens in 45 minutes in the show, but then there's the 45 minutes, the two hours, the three hours afterwards where the real growth in the conversation happens. So anyone who's planning to come see this, please do yourself a favor and etch out some time afterwards to digest this. That's uh, great, uh, uh, Colin. That's a very, very good point there. The conversation after the, after the, the play is great. Let's go back to uh, the executive director and to give us some more details about the organization and are you a nonprofit? Can you accept huge donations or what? We can accept the hugest of donations, Mr. Rye, the absolute hugest. Uh, Acts on Stage, as I mentioned earlier, Acts on Stage started in 2020. Um, I, we received a grant that, that asked the question, what would we do innovative in the community? And our response was we would launch a theater that centered on voices of color and on voices of faith. Isaiah and I have been both uh, people of color and people of faith most of our life in one category, all of our life. And, um, and so for us, we really wanted to create a space uh, where the stories and the talents uh, and the voices were centered um, and not as a trendy uh, mechanism, but because that's really where we start the conversation. And so, um, in the last four years, we have produced dozens of shows at this point, including uh, Seattle's Teen Summer Musical, as you mentioned, um, and, and with the community's help, we'll continue to do that. This show, King X, uh, runs March 1st through the 10th on the weekends only, though, so I don't want people to be confused that it's 10 straight days. It's just on the weekends, March 10th, I mean, I'm sorry, March 1st through the 10th. Uh, people can visit our website, axonstage.com, to get more information or to get tickets or they can go directly to our ticketing site, which is our.show slash King X, our.show slash King X. Um, tickets are selling really, really well, but we wanted to make sure your audience, because we know your audience um, really does care about this kind of narrative. Uh, we wanted to make sure your audience knew about it um, so that they could come out. Um, and so we're excited uh, for the, uh, for the community to see it. One last thing I'll say just really quick, um, uh, Colin mentioned it, I think Sean maybe as well. After every show, one of the signature features of Acts on Stage, uh, Stage's work is after every show, we have a Q&A or a conversation with our audience because we don't want people to just come and be consumers of art. We actually want them to engage with the art and with each other. And I think probably like, unlike any other show we've ever done, this show is ripe uh, for conversation. Um, to listen to some of the words of these two men um, and some of the words of the forces that were against them, to listen to these words and not have a time of conversation uh, would not be a good thing. And so we're excited about having that post-show conversation after every show. And I want to see if Isaiah, and I'm going to give you other, everybody else on there one minute uh, for a passing remark. So Isaiah. 
Yes, uh, thank you, sir. Um, we are going to have an awesome, awesome time um, bringing this to the community. Again, uh, the, the subject matter and just the thought for you to be able to be in a space that you could possibly had an opportunity to hear what these two men had to deal with um, as they moved in their, you know, uh, separate movements. Uh, and what would have happened had they come together? Um, it's just a beautiful thing. And so I'm looking forward to it. Um, I also say this, uh, Mr. I, that we are again doing Snow White and the Seven, Each One Teach One, this year at the Benaroya Hall. So I'm trying to get uh, Doomy and the family to come back and enjoy this show again. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Niasha will come spending three days with us. Uh, she will get here on the 20th of this month. She, well, I don't think she'll be here for the, pro the show. But anyway, uh, 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 Colin or Moses or Sean, either one of you guys got any parting remark? We got about two minutes left. Not all at the same time, though. Yeah, well, you know, one, two, three, and jump. What I'll offer is for the listening audience, this has been a labor of love. Um, you know, all of us have regular jobs that we engage in day in and day out. And um, we're picking this up in addition to our families, in addition to our other responsibilities. And, and, and it's coming from a place of passion. It's a place where we're really drawing from within ourselves, spending hours on top of hours, working through the script and working through positioning to make sure that we have it right and presented well and honoring the integrity of these legends for you. Um, because we know how important these stories are and we know how important it is that our community has the chance to see themselves reflected on platforms like this. So I urge you, if you haven't already picked up your ticket, please do um, come and celebrate black art, come and celebrate black stories, come and celebrate black brilliance, black intelligence, black narrative, and be a part of the Axon Stage community. And Moses? Yeah, and I, I would just like to invite everybody to say this is a, an opportunity to participate in a conversation, a longstanding one. I think these two luminaries are men who stood up in their era but it's also an opportunity for those who are in this era to pick up the baton from them. And I think it's essential to engage in conversations like this for that purpose, that every generation must answer the call that Dr. King and, Mal and Malcolm Ike answered for themselves. Colin J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, yeah, the remedy to violence is conversation. I truly believe that. And so uh, I'm very honored to be a part of this conversation. And the last thing I'll say is our dot show slash King X, buy your tickets. We'd love to see you. Okay, thank you very much. Well, Michelle, thank you for uh, producing this segment of the program. Thank and you, Isaiah, you're always welcome. And Moses and uh, Colin and Sean, I look forward to seeing you guys on stage. And I will stay there to participate in the dialogue afterwards. So thank you very much. And you might have one ticket sold because the distinguished uh, civil rights attorney emeritus Lim Howell heard the program. So I'm sure he'll be getting uh, members of the Lauren Miller Bar Association and all those, the Democrats and all those people he gives much, much money to, uh, to, to make sure they fill the, 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 the theater up. So thank you very much. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the distinguished Lim Bard Howell. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. 
Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Uh, anyway, uh, Eddie Rye, Urban Forum Northwest, back with... Uh, Attorney, civil rights attorney emeritus, uh, Lim Howell. And uh, Lim paid close attention to the Supreme Court deliberations today. And uh, what is your your analysis, sir? Uh, very bad. Very bad. I fear for our country. Uh, the D.C. Circuit came out with a good opinion a couple of days ago where it made mincemeat of... Uh, Trump's argument that he's immune from prosecution. You know, he could tell the SEAL team if he was president to assassinate a political rivalry, rival, and then he would be immune from prosecution. Unless first he was impeached by the Congress, which would never happen if he's in control. I'm telling you, I'm so worried about this country because the Supreme Court, it is plain as day that says if you took an oath to support the Constitution and then you engaged in uh, a, a rebellion, as we had Trump do on January 6th, then you're ineligible. It's like in order to be a run for president, had to be born in this country and be 35 years of age and not engage in a in a rebellion. And he has engaged in one. And that that sentence in section three of the 14th Amendment either means what it says or it doesn't. That if you engaged in activity disloyal to this country after having taken an oath to support the Constitution, then you're ineligible to serve in any federal office or state office. This was brought about in 1866 after the Civil War so that the uh, rebels couldn't gain control of state executive or governor positions. And it's plain as day. And today the court was acting like the January 6th was just 
a nice passive day, people wandering through the capital on a friendly visit. It was an attempt to continue Trump in power because you had 139 members of the House and seven members of the Senate who refused, who refused to vote for the president, Biden, as was provided for in the Constitution after the state electors selected them. And the, the Constitution all provides that federal elections are to be governed by the state. In Colorado, the state Supreme Court found that Trump had violated his constitutional oath. They had a five-day hearing. So there, the, the, acts, the facts were there. Trump was represented. They had a chance to present evidence. And what happened? By a four to three vote, the Colorado Supreme Court said, no, no, Trump had violated, is, not, is ineligible to be a candidate for president. And it's not the first time that certain states kept a presidential candidate off the ballot because a lot of the South did that in 1860 when Abraham Lincoln was elected president. So, you know, to say that a state can't declare somebody ineligible to be on the to be voted for president in that state is not unusual. But now the Supreme Court, from their questions, does, don't seem to be paying attention to history because they didn't think there was an insurrection. And my gosh, if that wasn't an insurrection, what was when the Congress people were running for their lives, including Hawley, when he was had a, his fist up in a, 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 a fist sign, but he was seen running on TV, running for his life. The vice president was running for life. The uh, uh, Secret Service that is to protect him were texting their families that they don't know whether they'd be alive. So what I'm telling you is Congress was scared to death. What would have caused the majority leader then, Mitch McConnell, to come out and said the president is responsible for this insurrection. And so did the then uh, uh, leader of the minority, uh, McCarthy, to say the same thing in the House. I, I, I tell you, I, I was really shocked by the questioning. Nobody raised the issue about how terrible the insurrection was and nobody raised the issue about what the what was provided for by the plain language. And I was disappointed in our own Justice Katanji Brown Jackson because she said, well, was there some ambiguity because it said officers and whether the president was an officer? That was answered during the debate. They said, there's no ambiguity. The president is an officer of the country. And so I was really concerned when she even raised that issue. I am telling you, it was so, they are worried. They are worried that there may be different decisions in various states. 
Some states may exclude Trump from the the ballot the way Maine and Colorado did. And they didn't, they wanted uniformity and they don't like the idea of states being able to control who is on the ballot. But it's been that way since the constitution was adopted. And so it's really discouraging. I I tell you, I used to feel good that I prepared my children and grandchildren that they are looking forward to, they have good education and they could survive in America. I'm telling you, I have never been so disappointed. Of course, the DC circuit opinion was great when it said Trump doesn't have a leg to stand on about saying he's he's immune from prosecution after he leaves office. So that question is answered by three to nothing. And we should go on with the trial. I, I, Eddie, I'm telling you. What was the final vote? Was there there a vote today? Was it unanimous? uh, Yes, it was unanimous in the DC circuit a couple of days ago when they said Trump doesn't have any immunity. No former president has immunity there. As they said, he's now citizen Trump and they keep calling him President Trump. And then the media, right after the argument in the Supreme Court, CNN and MSNBC all jumped to him making a a press conference after the argument. They jump at every word that Trump says and they wonder why they created this monster because they give him publicity and that's all people see. I tell you, I am so worried about this country, not since 1860. We fought the Civil War over slavery, and now people want to bring back the uh, uh, the lost cause. I, Eddie, it's a bleak day. Today was a bleak day before the court, because from the questioning, you have the impression that they're going to say, no, it's okay for him to be on the ballot. And it isn't. And we talk about original intent and interpreting the Constitution the way it's written. It is clear, if you engage in an insurrection after having sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution, you are not eligible to run for president. Okay, Lim, we're out of time. I want to thank you, Lim, for that analysis. Hopefully that educates some of our listeners. So thank you very much for your time today. And I want to thank Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle's uh, Diversity Contracting Office, and SeaTac Bar Group LLC, trying to get the Brothers of Land at a new spot out of SeaTac. And uh, we really want to thank Lim Howell. That was a, uh, an analysis. He's an attorney. He knows what he's talking about. And people need to pay attention to that. So, Eric, thank you very much. And we'll be talking with folks next week. You can hear us uh, online and on Alexa two hours after the program. Thanks to Eric's magic in the studio.